thought we would I thought this would take a long time. So well done us. High five, Keely. There we go. High five sound. Wow. Thank you. That was that was excellent. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Road to Wadi's podcast, the final episode of the year 2020. We did, Achilles. We made it all the way through a full year. And we lived to see the end of it. And we lived to see the end of it. And it was definitely not how I expected the year to unfold, but uh, we made it all the way through. What can you do? Just an interesting year all around. So, yes, as per always, I am Nick, and I am obviously joined by my co-host, Keely. Hey, everybody. There we go. And for this final Road to Wadis podcast of 2020, seeing as how we've already done the Wadis, we've interviewed all the judges, we've done the live stream, and a big thank you to everyone who watched the live stream, of course. We now reach a point where a lot of people have some outstanding questions, some stuff they're curious about, things that came up now that they've seen the entire Wadis. And so we opened the floor to our listeners and said, basically, send us in questions. We will try to answer them. So we got a bunch of questions. We're going to basically go through, try and answer them. We've uh, consolidated a number of them because we got a lot of duplicate questions. And in some cases, we've like partially rewritten the question in order to consolidate it. So I apologize if you don't hear exactly how you worded it. Sometimes we, we changed it to make it easier for us to read it, too. So there was long stuff. There were also a lot of well wishes that people gave us in the questions, which uh, thank you for that. I know you found a number of those, Keely, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were so sweet. Yeah, so very nice. Someone asked us just how we're doing. So I'm doing okay. How you doing, Keely? Um, you know, I've been better, but like pretty good overall. It's probably probably everyone's description of 2020 at this point that it's ending. It has been better, but it is at least probably getting better uh, into 2021. Okay, since we have so many questions to get and so little time, we're basically just going to jump right in and forego all of our usual stuff in order to just answer all these questions. So here we go. This is the Wadi's 2020 AMA for the road to Wadi's podcast. I shall read off the questions here, Keely, and we'll do what we can to answer them. So first question, this was a pretty common one. Will there be a Wadi Awards in 2021? And will anything change? So generally speaking, yes. Uh, we learned obviously in 2020 that like anything could happen. So I guess like barring a meltdown, there should be a Wadi's Awards 2021. And for simplicity's sake, pretty much nothing will change from this year to the next. Uh, I'm looking at some small quality of life changes, but like nothing major. So it will still be complete stories, 50K words, still have a bunch of judges, mostly the same criteria, all that stuff. The eligibility will be the rules that I outlined uh, previously, which is anything published in the prior year. So Wadi's 2021 will be open to any story published January 1st, 2020 or later. So for those who are worried, a little over 70% of the stories submitted this year were started and finished in 2019 and later so they were basically within what would have been the normal eligibility we opened it up for this very first year so it's definitely possible to complete a story in that time and we saw plenty of comments from people saying that they didn't finish their story in time to submit for this year but that means they will likely be able to submit for next year so long as they start on the story this year so there's that Uh, on that note would you co-host the wadis again keely um, I think it's going to depend on how some things shake out next year in terms of who's running what. Um, but yeah, you might see me again. It's a, I think in a hypothetical world, you would, you just may not. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Um, yeah, I, I'm pretty confident that I will next year. Um, I absolutely would co-host again. It was very fun to co-host, and I would I would do it again. So I think I'm still going to be here for the foreseeable future since the Wadis is still technically sitting on my plate. And we'll see we'll see what happens. Uh, will there be another Wadi Shorts next year? Kind of like the separate contest thing. So yeah, we're going to try and make sure there's something for the content that doesn't meet that very high threshold. Uh, that's currently in discussion, so we'll see where it goes. This would also include the stories that were like 20k to 50k that lost out entirely this year. So we're trying to figure out something for them. That's that's in discussion though um, for next year. Let's see. Can you elaborate on how the judges select all the stories and how are they able to do it so fast? This is a Keeley one. Yes. So let's talk about the system. So the only reason we're able to do it so fast is because we have a lot of judges. Most of them are professional readers and to some degree are also like very avid readers in their downtime. Um, and you can decide to eliminate story faster and then you decide which wins. It's like, think of it like when we first start reading stories, it's kind of like a Tinder style. Like you're, you're reading enough to get an, ass an assessment. If you want to keep reading, then you move it on to the next stage. And if it's just like a very clear immediate no, then it kind of doesn't go any further. Um, and the final round of stories has to be read all the way. Um, so let now we can kind of talk about like the types of reasons judges gave for like why they loved a story and what put it over the top. So at the end of the day, we did obviously keep reading um, in terms if we really liked it and like what pushed it over the edge when we had to like pick between two stories, say, to pick one winner. Generally, it was just like, did those authors, did those judges fall in love with the story? Um, it had to be very like, intense what, this year. Like it was very, very intense. intense passion. <laughs> Yes, especially for English. Um, and like sometimes it was just like, oh, I really related to this character or oh, like the development or the twist was really, really good and it was a really satisfying ending and like things like that or like it, it, it honestly varied from story to story what would push something over the edge. And at the end of the day, like we had so many close runner ups and it was really difficult. Yeah, it, it also definitely varied uh, even genre to genre, like mystery and thriller people were talking more about like what a great twist or had me guessing the whole time no one was talking about that like twist didn't come up for the romance stories for example for the yeah. most part so yeah you can definitely tell like people know what they're looking for in each of the individual genres too and they want it to hold true to that genre or at least feel somewhat um awesome within that space with a couple of exceptions which is where we like moved a story from one genre to another uh yeah. And those were cases usually where it was someone saying, like, I don't think this story wins in this space because it should be over here where it makes more sense. Yeah, we moved a lot of genres over this year. Just, like, not because, like, oh, this will have a better chance of winning in this category. It's just, like, no, we just generally think it suits this category better. Yep. Um, so the next question is, is there a long list slash short list? And will it be released or will it be one next year? Why isn't one made public? So... There is an internal long list and short list of shorts, and it's not really the same as a public one, and it serves a variety of purposes, but it, it does exist. We did have them in the past, and there are a couple of reasons we stopped using them, um, or posting them at least. And first was that posting them actually did cause a lot of people to tune out of the Wadis itself and the kind of hype that we tried to build up for it. Basically, they were great if you were in on it. Um, and they felt kind of lousy if you weren't and the less and less people engaged throughout the rest of the Wadis because they kind of had written it off at that point. Uh, they also became uh, a real hotbed of bullying and targeting. People would constantly question why one story made it on the list over another and get really mad. 
And I do think there's something to this. And mostly, I think that it's that some people want some sort of feedback as a result of the Wadis. And they want to know how close they came. Um, Nick, you also had a comment you kind of wanted to throw in here um, yeah. as far as that kind of feedback. Yeah, I think I think one thing that I've heard from this is to the people have been clearer and more specific about why they want the long list and the short list than prior years because prior years there was a lot of um we found like when we gave the short list and it was a certain length basically the way that i would put it is there was a mentality that if the if the short list was 100 stories long everybody messaging us believed that their story was number 101 so they wanted the short list to be just a little longer because they were pretty certain they were number 101 or like they just barely missed and so when we, we then made the long list and then it became like, okay, I think I'm number 1001. And so that's not really a great reason from my side to, to showcase that. That to me is just showing people just want to find a way to get themselves on the list or their motivation is not necessarily one that we can provide an answer for. But this year it's been a little more specific. People have kind of talked about, they want to know how close they came to winning in terms of just like, what do they have to do next to get better? Um, you know, can they understand can they even get some feedback has been a request? Like, can they get the initial rubrics or the forms that were filled out that have like the evaluations of their content? And while the answer to that is no, I think something for me to handle in the rest of my job beyond, because I don't just work on the Wadis, is to kind of figure out a way to solve for this. And I don't, I don't think the Wadis is the way to solve for it, actually. I think there's something for me to work on here in making sure like more authors feel like they have a good path to legitimate feedback on their content that helps get them an understanding of where they sit on Wattpads. That's something for me to think about in 2021, if that's some form of program or some other system that allows you to get that kind of feedback people are craving on their content. But I, I don't think a long list, short list for the Wadis is really actually going to solve that for the most part. So. Yeah. And at the end of the day, being on that list really isn't feedback, it's validation, right? So like yes. you still don't know what you did or didn't do wrong, like why you didn't win. So for those authors that want that legitimate, you know, kind of assessment, like it's just not the right place for it. And unfortunately, just because of the Wadis itself, you know, we get thousands and thousands of submissions. We cannot possibly give feedback individually to every single author. Yeah. So that's something that I'll, for those who seek it, I, I'd like it to be more readily available. So I'll, I'll, I will look for that for next year. Um, another question that came through is, Something to the effect of, like, if we put our story on another platform, does that disqualify it from Wadi's eligibility? Uh, yes, it does. Um, you know, it is some, like, what, maybe that's one of the rules we'll, like, take another deeper look at this year in terms of how it impacts authors. But yes, it does. Um, we did have a few people this year that maybe had a story on the platform, like, another, maybe they had it up on Amazon or, or whatnot. And then they took it down before they submitted to the Wadi's. And so as long as it's not live, on another platform during Wadi's period, you're good. There you go. Uh, question for both of us, I guess, what was the hardest part of the Wadi's behind the scenes? So for me, there's a lot of moving parts that are involved in running a year-long contest. And I think it's really easy for people to forget that we have other things to do in the contest, like building forms and the website. And then we have to do that for all 11 languages. And then also judging in over 11 languages is no small task. Like This is like a youth year-long project that you know there's over 60 people at a given time working on this so it's it's a real a real difficult thing to do so anytime people see those like little hiccups it's generally something's big going on behind the scenes to fix them right uh yeah that the hardest part for me 
It's definitely hard that there's like a times 11 multiplier. <laughs> like we had some bugs that only popped up in some languages and not in others. So just like every language is different basically in that sense. Uh, or is a chance for things to go wrong. I think the hardest part for me and my role in this is that there were a lot of complex decisions that had to get made that involved a lot of trade-offs. Like there were no, there weren't a lot of cases where the decisions were just like, oh, if we decide to do this, all parties will be happy. Like there's a good decision and a bad decision. An example of this is what happened to the stories between 20 and 50,000 words. Uh, even just even just the decision to make them 50,000 words and complete was obviously going to frustrate some people and required some trade-offs. Uh, another example of this would be we put a, uh, since I was also involved in paid, I put an intentional moratorium on paid stories from Wadi's submission. So if someone submitted to the Wadi's their story to win, and a paid judge saw it because there were paid judges in the Wadis and they really, really loved it and they wanted to sign it. We had to basically say like, you can't sign it now. You have to wait until the end of the Wadis because paid stories work on a different Wadis. There's only five Wadi awards for them. And it would be really unfair if a user submitted their story to the regular Wadis and then got removed because they went into paid. And by the time we sign someone and get them, get them launched on paid, like no one would have been launched on paid before the end of the Wadis anyway. So it was kind of a weird like handicap to be putting on people and it created a gray area. So that's an example where like there's no winner in that discussion. You know, I'm sure for some people they would message me and tell me I would totally sacrifice winning a Wadi to immediately be signed up for paid. Uh, for those people who like are concerned that we didn't sign them, as I said, it's just a wait until the Wadi's is over. So those people already got contacted or on the list uh, still to be contacted. There's only so many slots, so it takes time, but uh, yeah, it was a lot of hard decisions like that where it was just like, there's no, there's no good, perfect answer. Like something's going to be traded off here, basically. Uh, similar question here, biggest pro and biggest con of working on the Wadis. Um, biggest pro is getting to discover all those fantastic stories that we otherwise wouldn't really be seeing just because, you know, obviously it's really hard to be discovered on Wattpad. So it's honestly the best way for those works to find their ways uh, in, in front of our, of our eyes and have us read them. Um, I would say the biggest con is, hmm, honestly, oh, it's so hard. Okay, you go and I'm gonna think if I con. Okay, uh, so biggest pro for me is more or less reading through all the comments. I, I try and keep up with every single comment that's on the Wadi's books. I On the Wadi's main one, I just got lost eventually because there were so many on the road to Wadi's one. Like I try and keep up with every single comment there as well. And I, you know, try and watch when people post on the profile too. Uh, so that's just the biggest pro. It's just like hearing people engage with it positively questions, sometimes even negatively. I enjoy going through all that biggest con though, in a similar note actually was probably dealing with the miss or uh, disinformation that goes around the Wadi's. It's really difficult because like I try very hard we try very hard, all of us actually across the board who work on this marketing, Keely, you write stuff too, and stuff that I write to be very explicit and clear in where we can on what the definitions are for stuff and to see, uh, you know, people asking us questions that indicate like they didn't read that stuff or we would see comments where someone would come in and effectively just like make up something and just say like, I think it works this way and that would be held as truth and then it would spread and we'd watch it grow and then it would come back to us and we'd we have to shut that down and it gets really really uh frustrating because it's like if people had just made sure to read the original document it says right there this thing but here i am giving that answer 
again. There were even some questions that came into the AMA that we may not answer here that were very clearly like, okay, I, I think someone told you something incorrectly. That's not how that works. Um, please, please read the documents again, please. We got a lot of questions on the rule book like that too. People misunderstanding the rules. So, um, yeah, it's more the more the mis and disinformation than it is people who just like didn't who misread something that's fine or like were confused. More the people who like seem to just make up an answer and then willingly spread it and see what they can do. That was kind of frustrating. Yeah, I would I would agree that 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 was definitely frustrating. Mostly just because, yeah, it was like clear people just hadn't read the rule book. Yeah. Um, uh, and we have like a whole Q and A section too in the rule book that would have been helpful, I think, for a lot of people's questions. Yeah. But uh, TLDR, I guess. Or couldn't um, possibly know that information, but told people it anyways. Like stuff about the judging. If people would say like, "Oh, they judge this way," and I'm like, "You can't possibly know that." Yeah. So, so why would you be telling people that? Yeah, that was not. Yeah. That was not. For great. me, my biggest con though was I think. I just, I'm always really disappointed when I see people really lashing out against authors, which is why I think, like, especially in terms of, like, who won and, like, that kind of thing, and, like, oh, like, they're stars, so they didn't deserve it, or this person has been recognized by Wattpad before, and I just, or, like, oh, like, this story's popular, and, like, you know, this story, this contest should only be for hidden gems, and I definitely think this contest is super important when it comes to finding those hidden gems, but that's not the purpose of it. The purpose of it is to, you know, support and um celebrate these really excellently written stories on our platform and it comes down to the quality of the story and that's it you know it's not about undiscovered it's not about just recognizing popular stories you know it's it's just about quality and those other things are unrelated yeah it's like leveling that critique against the oscars you know like yeah they're gonna pick major movies they're not gonna pick all indie movies um, because there's just, they cover all the movies. If it's a movie, the Oscars will cover it basically. Um, anyways, will there ever be more winners per category? This question got asked a number of times. Uh, and, and the only answer I have is like, maybe it's something I'll have to think about of just what our numbers are in terms of, uh, how many awards we give out. Uh, I'll just say like, maybe it's something to think about. I'm not like opposed to it. I'm not going to tell you like, it's definitely not going to happen, but I won't say that it will either, I guess. Uh, what advice would you give for those who participated in the Wadis this year but lost? Where should they go from here? Um, so I have a, a number of thoughts on this, and then I'll let you throw your advice to Keely. Uh, this would be, for me, I would say, like, this would be a point to reflect on the story that you have. Do you edit it further and keep working? Or do you think you've learned a bunch but really exhausted the path for this content? I would recommend going through the story again and seeking help on it. Even if you've decided to move on from that story, you might as well try and learn to, uh, or sorry, try to learn as much as you can before you start that new one or go back and fix those issues. If you do love the story, I would say start investing seriously in marketing it. You'll likely need help to get that support, which can come from like paying for cover designers or through favors and friendship and the kindness of others that you can find that both ways. You'll want to start building marketing platforms for yourself too. Just a reminder, like you don't have to be limited to Wattpad in your quest for readers. Like people will come to Wattpad to read your book if you tell them about it. Um, Keely, what advice do you have? Um, I definitely recommend checking out some of the chapters we've actually posted on the Road to Wadi's book. Um, a lot of them really do a good job of addressing that, namely um, the one that we do on 
um, discovery um, and engagement as well as the one that we did on author branding both really go into depth into what Nick just mentioned um, you could also listen to our old podcast episodes about it but the chapters do pretty much succinctly cover those topics so definitely check them out but it basically talks about like what are some different avenues for you to grow your readership which is at the end of the day like what what part of this is but also where to get feedback so there's things like book clubs that you could submit to there's things like writer groups that you can join that'll help give you feedback on your work and I really suggest joining groups like those to help kind of do the next step in your writing yeah yeah uh what are ways to grow and reach more people on Wattpad for non-romantic books so okay similar similar ish to what I just said um so romance stories do or romantic, I'll say, because they can be like paranormal but have romance in them, or even mystery and have romance in them. But like, since romantic stories generally dominate the platform uh, and elsewhere, they dominate everywhere actually. But I would recommend that you generally do what you can on Wattpad, like make sure that you're properly advertising to the non-romantic audience uh, with your cover, your uh, description, that you're sending out that kind of messaging and getting involved in those book clubs that Keely just mentioned. And then I would suggest looking outside Wattpad. So when I was writing my stories more seriously before I started working here. I had Facebook pages, I had Twitter, I had my own website, uh, and, and I'm not necessarily talking about like the the Nick website making myself public. It was more a website for my story. So if you're not comfortable with like your uh, identity, then you don't have to make it about you. You can make it about your content, or you can make a pseudonym and make it about that. Uh, so I was sending messages to like all my friends uh, on Facebook, wherever I was doing public posts and so on. I would recommend that you find communities that match your content, kind of work your way into them. You're probably already in those communities anyways. And then eventually let people know you write books. Like don't join our science fiction on Reddit and just post, hey, here's a link to my story. You'll get kicked out very fast, I imagine. But if you if you go and like hang out with those groups and talk to them long enough, they're probably going to be interested in reading your book. And they don't have to be a current Wattpad user to read your story. If, if they're on the web, they don't even have to sign up to read it technically. So, you know, you are not confined to just Wattpad to find those audiences. Your book is hosted on Wattpad, but that doesn't mean your audience has to be exclusively hosted on Wattpad. You can, you can bring people in. All right. The most basic to judge a book are on cover, blurb slash synopsis, grammar, and vocabulary. But I was curious, after these basic criteria, what comes next? Many books have good plot, and they cross off those basic criteria, but after that, they don't move forward because something else is, is judged. I was curious, what is that? Because I think using that point of critique, many books are judged and rejected. Right, so basically what happens after, like, I've got a cover, a blurb, synopsis, grammar, vocabulary. So first of all, cover doesn't matter to Wadi's judging, but we'll put that aside. Uh, so <laughs> after that point, of it's it's got like a blah a blurb grammar vocab looks fine at that point you're looking at the hook which is what is the initial interesting tug in its setup what makes this just like oh curious uh, then it's compulsion so how much do all those prior things combine your hook your grammar your style your plot and even that synopsis how much do they combine along with the currently unfolding plot to make you feel like you you have to keep going right this is really critical each chapter is a chance for someone to stop reading. So each chapter has to work to compel them forwards. Then at the end, it becomes a question of a satisfying ending. So we had content make it to the final rounds, but poor endings held them back, for example. Uh, so we had like stories with great grammar 
and vocab, but they didn't have any compulsion. So they, they fell off much earlier as well. So those are critical things. It's like what keeps someone, what makes someone initially pick it up? What makes them keep going? And then how does it pay off? Those are what matter. Way too many writers get focused on just like, is my grammar good? Is my vocab good? Are there errors? Things like that. And forget to make sure that someone at least wants to keep reading this well-written uh, content. Besides the judging requirements, grammar, voice, character, are books judged based on the judge's enjoyment and the story itself, or marketing is what matters? Uh, the, the enjoyment. The marketing is irrelevant, as I just said. Plenty of stories, one, that we would consider from our side to not be optimally marketed, but since there's there's no judge criteria for like cover or whatever, it doesn't mean anything. So there's stories that one that if you asked us our opinion, like in a back room, I guess we would just be like, yeah, I could have a better cover, but it's still one. So that's what I would, I would put there. No one. I don't think anyone raised that. Right, Keely? That's usually. No, no. Generally, we'd be like, <laughs> especially if like a story is like going to win. Like we're like, oh, maybe somebody should mention to that author. They should really change their cover. Right. Something so th better. <laughs> That's a discussion. Okay, so we do have an expression here when it comes to judging stories because there is a tendency for people to get hung up on covers just naturally. This happens to everybody. We push past it, and the way that we push past it is via um, home buying metaphors, which you can relate to this, Kaylee, as a, as a home buyer, which was basically like don't reject the house because you don't like the paint. Like you can just paint over it. It, it won't really matter. So if you like the layout of the house, but you're just like, oh, but they painted the walls like eggshell. I don't like that. You're not going to not buy the house. You're just going to paint over it. So that's kind of how we feel about it. Like if we're reading a story and we're just like, oh boy, they need a new cover. That's not going to change anything. We're just like, they should win, but also someone should tell them they should get a new cover or, or like, I hope they consider getting a new cover. Yeah. And that even extends to like their story description. Like say their story yep. description is like completely different from what the book actually is. At the end of the day, we're still going to judge based on the book. And if we're like, wow, this is completely different. We're not going to be like, oh, you don't win. Again, it just matters how good the story is. Yeah. Definitely had some cases of people being like the description was totally wrong, but it's a great book. So blah, blah, blah. It should, it should win. So again, that's for all those people who send us messages being like, oh my God, I can't write descriptions. Will I ever win? Turns out, yes. The answer is yes. Uh, I've never seen a story inspired by certain mediums win before unless it's fan fiction. Are there any standards for these types of books to be excluded? For example, certain mediums include video game, lit RPG, and anime. So no, there are no standards that exclude that type of content. Some of it was long listed. Some of it went pretty far, just happened not to win. Uh, there was a judge this year who personally writes lit RPG. I write lit RPG and I read a lot of light novels. It's my whole thing. So we know what that genre looks like. We know what's really quality in there. But there's there's nothing in the wadis of the judging that would prevent such a story from winning. Like we're familiar with it, we know what it looks like. A lot of the judges have have read it as well. Um, just didn't happen to not win this year. I would I would put it. Uh, similar note. What kind of fan fiction interests the judges? So this is kind of similar to the last question, like you said. Um, so all of it. Um, if a judge is really unfamiliar with the fan fandom, they like will ask around or they'll do a little research um, into the fandom generally. Like maybe they've never read miraculous fanfics. They'll like just do a Google just so they can have a basic You would use miraculous fanfics. <laughs> Whatever, I'm a fan. <laughs> they would do a little research and they would figure out like just the basics of like, okay, who are these characters? What do I need to know about the fanfic? Like maybe they'll read like a Wikipedia article just so they have the baseline. But the whole point is we do want stories to win too that anyone can enjoy, not just the people in that fandom. So we do look for a little bit of accessibility in terms of, of the fandom itself. Um, like can 
like even if you don't know anything about it can you get into this story it's like is it good character building is it a good story that's like at the end of the day what does matter um rather than like how accurate the fandom is um so our office usually covers pretty much every fandom and I do I did take note of like which judges had preferences for certain fandoms and I would send them stories their way so if like they really like BTS fan fiction like I would like give them a larger proportion of that just because I I trust them to be able to pick the good ones out of it um um but yeah otherwise we do evaluate objectively as a story and you know if we need to we'll double check with an expert yeah, I know there were a couple checks at the end to just be like, this is a great story, but can someone in this fandom look in case it's like totally violating the fandom in a way that I, you never know, right? There can be stuff where it's just, I remember you you evaluated like a miraculous story and you were just like, it, this doesn't, no, this violates the fandom. So those yeah, are out there. I stand by it. Uh, <laughs> when judging, do certain social trends uh, or topics, feminism, discrimination, mental health, influence the results so yeah uh, they definitely do timeliness will always be relevant to any story and any era i imagine next year just because it takes time for stuff to be written uh critical issues from this year will show up a lot things like the quarantine or the pandemic and just like exploring how it affected people's relationships or mental health or the second wave of the blm movement uh, i believe we're currently in the largest civil rights movement in american history so there's no way people aren't going to be writing about that content right now and who will have it done either like they wrote it this year, maybe they didn't get it in in time or they're working on it now and, and they will submit it next year. And the judges will be mindful of that. Stories are always connected with our worlds. So the present and the past will basically always weigh on judging. Uh, so the, the next stream. question is yeah, yeah, about the live stream. Did you contact the winners before announcing the winners? Uh, a finalist before announcing the winners. If so, isn't it better to release a short list for everyone to see? So yes and no. Basically, we had to do some due diligence um, before we announced all the winners because we had to ensure, A, that people were above the age of consent, and if they were not, that they, we could get the parental consent. And that's actually quite a long, drawn-out process, getting that parental consent. Um, so we, we do need a good amount of time to make sure we're getting that. Um, and also if they still wanted to win a Wadi and that they hadn't posted it elsewhere. So we do do research to make sure stories aren't posted elsewhere. Um, but we also do ask the potential winners to just confirm that it's not. And if it is, that they immediately take it down. <laughs> Otherwise, they won't win. Um, it would be weird to announce a winner live and then said it couldn't accept and we had to later rescind it, which has happened in the past and causes a whole lot of issues. So this year, we just wanted to be super careful. Um, so yeah, to solve, we basically sent messages to all the English winners under the guise that they were in the final round of sorts, um, and they did not know they had won, only that they were basically in consideration. Um, and any responses in the live stream were genuine answers, so we basically asked them, like, hypothetically, if you hypothetically won, what would your response be? Um, which is where we got a lot of those. Um, and yeah, they were people find found out that day that they had won and like, had very genuine responses to that um we won't be able to do this next year though since now people know and the secret yep. would be out that if you get the message you won um so we'll have to figure out something for next year yep um we did message a few people they yeah so yeah uh for non-english they weren't live streamed so we mostly just messaging people 
who would need that parental consent. And again, due diligence as a contest, we have to verify the winners before we announce them. Yeah, I'm going to have to figure out what that's going to be next. Some sort of secret wave. Okay. Maybe I'll just put it all up front in the form. I don't know. Uh, okay. Except <laughs> for the majority. for everyone. <laughs> Everybody gets. Wow, that would be rough. Uh, except for the majority that are always replaced. Are the regular judges going to remain the same every year? Um, and honestly, it will depend on the judges and their work. I'm sure many will return. We have, we've had judges that are, have been there three years in a row. Um, this year we had the most judges we've ever had. So like last year was like six judges and this year we had like 15. Um, I'm sure we'll probably get some new people in because it's great for people at Wattpad HQ to kind of experience that judging process. So I'm sure there'll be a little bit of turnover just to give everyone a kind of like a chance to be able to judge. Um, but yeah, I'm sure many will return. Yeah. Um, the next question is, what will be the fate of those finalists and writers who participated that you thought had potential? So this is actually a really good question, and we did get this a lot. Um, so we have this whole internal tracking system that we actually use, that we use to flag authors we'd like to monitor, and pretty much everyone uh, we're interested in gets added to that system. And over the year, we'll slowly review that list for other opportunities at Wattpad. And we do this every year at Wattpad. And we also use this just like, um, not just for the Wadis, but pretty much for everything else. Um, so groups like Paid and Studios will make their own side list to keep um, interest of stories they want to look into. And they'll go through their own processes as well. But we do this for pretty much all of our writer programs like Stars and Paid and so on and so forth. And we all use that for tracking. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, once you're on a radar, you're on a radar is basically how it works. It's a fairly good description. I mean, like we, uh, not to speak lowly of the winners, the winners are not necessarily as important as just like the broader short and long list for us because there's only 60 winners and we love all of them, but there's even more stories that we loved. So uh, just making it into those rounds of getting pretty close really, really does matter. And we do keep track of all those because... We know that only only so many people can win, and so we still have a lot of other opportunities we want to give to those other people out there. Uh, let's see. If you've this, this is a very very me question, I guess. If you've completed writing your novel while you were a pantser, but now you know how your plot goes and you have a feeling that you can change many things to make the plot better, should we go for it or should we make an entirely new novel out of it? So you should absolutely go back and edit the existing content. That is really what the heart of editing is. And through editing, you may change or replace like 50%, 70, 80, could be 90% of your content could all just go away. Uh, and your plot may end up radically different from where you started, but that is editing. You should not start a new story because it will probably unfold differently as you actually write it. And then you're, you're basically in the same spot all over again. So this is something that's really difficult for me personally, for example, uh, because there's almost like there's an unwillingness to replace what I wrote because it feels like an admission that I got it wrong. I, I don't know who I'm admitting it to, obviously, I guess like just myself because nobody else knows the process, but it just feels like if I'm this super writer, I would have gotten it right the first time, uh, but that's just objectively never true for anyone. That's something for me to just like get over and go back in there and just fix up, fix up my stories. So you should fix them up basically. Do, do, do. There are a few events that take place in a novel which are fun and which the readers like to read, but I'm not sure if they contribute to advancing the plot of the novel. Do you think those scenes should be kept or cut out? And if so, then how to tell which ones to cancel out and which ones to keep? Um, this is tricky to answer because I mostly want to say no, these sorts of, of scenes should not exist. But I do think there's like wiggle room here 
I don't think I don't want people to hear that and then just think like that's it. Those kinds of scenes can never exist. You do have to understand that by putting in this scene, you're not progressing the plot. And if you're not progressing the plot, you're basically intentionally wasting a reader's time. Uh, I would say like think about how frustrating filler arcs are on TV or in anime. Uh, even the B plot in some TV episodes, for some reason right now, for example, Grey's Anatomy is on in my household, and that show has a very hard time balancing between like very serious plots with some dumb trivial problem, and it cuts between the two sometimes at random. It's very frustrating. Uh, there is a place where where those types of scenes work. The Usually it's the gaps between like really, really big moments, like a, a big thing just culminated, and now things need to cool down a little bit. Usually these types of scenes, though, they must give a character insight or deepen a relationship. If you don't progress the plot or deepen a character, then, yeah, I would say absolutely you should cut it. Uh, I guess the other exception to this would be like slice of life type stories. They don't really have a plot to progress anyways. It's different, so I, I wouldn't count them. They're fine. Uh, this is also just generally a bad time to be asking me this question um, because I just came out of reading We Never Learn and Nisekoi back to back and... That, that's all those two stories are. They're just like nothing but empty scenes to nowhere. And they were extremely frustrating to read through. I don't know why. I don't know why I finished them. I'll never know why, but it yeah, happened. I, my, my rule of thumb is like within reason. Like if you really want to have a cute few cute scenes, like do it up, but like don't make it the whole story. Like, and especially if it is slice of life. And yeah, that is kind of the point. That and is the whole story. You're kind of going into it with, for that ex purpose. And like, I personally do like those, like, you know, a cute moment where like, they're eating ice cream together and one gets ice cream on his nose and like that's adorable i love it i live for that but yeah if it's that's if it's not that kind of story then it's out of place <laughs> they're almost like they're almost like fan fiction is kind of the reason you like them like i think everybody likes them i i, I just don't think i don't think any readers like really dislike them it's kind of like twists that way where readers are like i love the twists more twists and what you learn really fast is you cannot have more twists just because people like it it's very much like chocolate in that sense. Like, it's good, but you cannot eat it all the time. It can't be the only thing you eat. I, I think what makes it really amazing is to see the characters not engaging in the plot. That's usually why people write fan fiction or do these other extracurricular things we'll say around the story. So to see those within the story are really fun. And they, I don't know, they must appeal to some part of our brains that are all just like, love it. Love cute, cute stuff like this. But I think, yeah, that's a good rule. Like one or two, maybe just don't. Don't get sucked in by people just like really, really loving them. If people want to make scenes of these two characters doing something really, really cute, that's why there's fan art and fan fiction and stuff. But make sure they love the plot first. If you don't have a plot for them to love, they won't create the fan art out of it, basically. So there's that. Uh, Keely, how many words should one write on a daily basis? Um, I mean, as many of you feel you can and you can maintain like for some people it's as little as a hundred some people do a thousand some people don't write on a daily basis um so i would also say like you know map it out like map out how what you would like ideally think your word count will be and then work back from like a schedule and basically figure out when you want to be finished by and then you can basically calculate from there how much you need to write and if you want to even budget for some days off and like budget those in i also recommend doing that and then just like basically yeah create a work back schedule for your, for yourself and go from there how many novels can we write at the same time uh as many as you can there's no there's no limit i guess there's some people who just like to write one at a time until they finish it. I would recommend doing that personally. But for me, for example, I actually write on rotation. So I'll have three to four stories going at once. 
and I just kind of rotate between them depending on my mood and it really helps keep me from being blocked if I can just switch over to one or another whenever I have ideas. Has It comes with its own problems though. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it as a situation. It just works for me. But this is also why like, I've never submitted to the Wadis, for example, because most of my stories are unfinished because I'm writing four at once instead of just finishing one of them. So that would be something I would say. Uh, in what tense should an ideal novel be written? Um, there really is no right or ideal tense. It's what's right for you. I mean, there's certainly tenses that are more popular in traditional publishing. So if you want to go that route, feel free. But we really won't hold it against you if your tense is like more unusual if that makes sense i would just say you know stick to your guns and don't like flip-flop throughout the novel um and if you are going to flip-flop you're, you're gonna to need to find a way to make it very clear for the reader what's happening yeah don't don't flip-flop <laughs> uh has anyone where english isn't their first language but they write in english won a wadi award before we uh sure have so we actually did have at least one winner in english this year that one that that's not their uh main language so yeah it definitely does happen yeah. um the next question is for you uh for your book to be selected for wattpad books does it need to have a million reads before it's considered for publishing uh no so i know this year's winner had over a million reads but uh the prior year's winner historically inaccurate pretty sure had 100k 100k under 100k reads before it won so yeah it, it definitely happens we've only had those two winners so far so uh, not a lot 50, to go 50 off examples of. but uh yeah again it's it's really about the story and not about the audience will you ever release transcripts for this year's podcast for more accessibility yeah so i, I do have to try and work on this this one we did have someone who was working on them and then the pandemic hit and it just became a lower priority so i I, mean, I don't know how they would hear me, but I do apologize to the, particularly the deaf community, uh, the hard of hearing or uh, anyone with auditory processing disorders. So uh, I do have to go back and, and work on doing that. That's on me. I will say though, all of the chapters in the book, pretty much word for word, capture all the key things that we talked yes. about, the Road to Bodies book. So we do have something at least. Um, it like, you won't get like the cute, funny things that we sometimes talk about in the podcast, but you'll get all the actual information you need. I'm really curious how, our interactions are going to look written out if people are just going to be like, wow, Nick's really mean to Keely or vice versa. <laughs> certain <laughs> ones. Uh, will there be interviews with the winners? Yes. So we're going to try. Um, it's a possibility. There's obviously a lot of people to get to and we're going into holiday break. So it'll probably be a bit later. Um, maybe that'll be like the focus of like next year's um, podcast. We'll just like focus on a lot of winner interviews as we lead up to the Wadis. Um, I will make note, though, that we actually are doing a version of the interviews not via the podcast. So, like I said, we basically got an acceptance speech from each of the winners. Um, so if you actually go to the Wadi's profile, there is a book um, that basically has interviews um, or not interviews, highlights each winner and basically has their acceptance speech and also a little bit of context about their novel and what inspired them to write it. So definitely go check that out. And we do have that for every language. Will the podcast continue next year? Uh, so I would say, I would say maybe it's a question I will actually take back to the people for what they want the podcast to become next year. We can always interview judges or as Gilly just said, interview winners. Uh, we already gave a lot of the generic advice though this year for writing that will still apply to next year, the year beyond that. So if you have suggestions for what you'd like or what you'd like to see, you can DM them to me, you can comment them and, and tag me, do something to let me know your feelings on this front. Should I submit the same story again next year if I lost this year? As long as it was published in 2020, go right ahead. 
I would recommend editing it again, obviously, and, and taking a look through it. But yeah, as long as it published in 2020, you can submit it again. Cool. So um, the next topic is on diversity. So we got a lot of questions around diversity of winners as well around specialized categories for marginalized groups like the LGBTQ plus uh, category. Um, we chose not to have stories separated by race, creed, orientation, so on and so forth. For example, we did we chose not to make a category especially for LGBTQ plus stories because we feel just like a bookstore, those stories uh, deserve to be celebrated in whatever genre they're submitted in. Do keep in mind we had writers um, this year from a little over 90% of the world. So like it's not like we could have an award just for one part of the world uh, and then do that for all parts of the world just because there's obviously so many things to cover um, and it just wouldn't possible to create um, awards for so many regions or so many identities which is why we separate it by genre language and maybe that's not the perfect approach but that is the one we take um, we do value and respect everybody in our community and we're also very dedicated to lifting up diverse voices every year the percent of diverse stories in the Hawaii's increases um, for example this year 45 percent of English winners were visibly diverse, and that's up 5% from last year. By visibly diverse, I mean that they've chosen to self-identify publicly. We do aim to make sure our winners reflect our community, and many of our winners are anonymous and do choose not to make this information public, which is something really important to keep in mind. Um, that said, I think it's important to us that we continue to involve and develop our community to the point where those authors can feel they can safely be their authentic selves. So we hope to increase that as well every year. And we we are continually learning and we do continue to strive to do better. So hold us to it. Yeah. Uh, on that note, uh, someone had a very specific question. Did any Indian historical fiction ever get shortlisted or won the Wadis? So not to my knowledge, I did do a little bit of a dive. Um, definitely something to keep an eye out for in the future. Um, we've had winners with Indian leads, um, but nothing historical pops to my head. Um, Charlie India, which was a winner from this year's Wadis, has an Indian lead. Um, but if, if you just want a recommendation, um, if you're looking for a good historical Indian romance, uh, I do suggest checking out The Dancing Girl by a Wattpad star uh, Cake Pie. I'm a little bit biased because girl, ex-girl, and it's real cute. That's fair. Uh, I do know that India was the third largest country for submissions, I think, for the Wadi, something like that, uh, in English. So they beat, like, Canada. More people submitted from India than from Canada, for example. They mm -hmm. did just about the same as Great Britain. So Yeah. And we've had Indian authors win. It's just they don't necessarily write historical romances. So that's, that's not what's won yet. Yeah. So um, that, that can be something, though, for that group. Do we have any New Year's resolutions, I guess, for either of us? Keely, do you have a New Year's resolution? Um, my New Year's resolution, so my mental health has not been super hot this year. I usually never do New Year's resolutions just because I'm like, if I want to make a change, I don't think I should locate it to one time of the year. I should make that change when I want to make that change or when I feel inspired to. Um, but this year just happens to work out around the same time. Um, I've got a big chunk of time off and I'm kind of just to go into it and try to exercise more i've definitely been a couch potato for too long and i just need to motivate myself to start taking better care of my body and my health yeah going for walks really really valuable i don't i do not have any new year's resolutions so because i for similar reasons to keel i just don't ever do them basically uh what is one book that you can reread over and over again so i, I tend to go back to manga 
for the most part. I find I can reread uh, Claymore pretty much many, many times. I've reread Bakuman and Kimi no Iru Machi and really enjoyed them thoroughly. Same with Zetman. So, so probably those ones are any of my go-to manga. Keely. Um, for me, it's anything by Tamora Pierce. So she's like um, a YA a teen fiction writer um, back from like 80s and onwards to the 90s. And she was like my entire childhood. And I think her books have excellent reread quality. And to this day, anytime I'm like really down in the dumps, I will just read a Tamora Pierce book. And then I'll just end up reading the whole series because you can't read just one. Like yeah. Pringles. <laughs> the Pringles of reading. I wonder if I could go back and read like Redwall again i don't know i don't know if that would hold up do it up. uh i'll find out yeah that's what I'll, I'll do a stream or a podcast or something rereading all of redwall uh do you guys dress professionally when you record or you just record in sweatpants or something since no one can see you so uh <laughs> we do record like during the work day so we we still have to go to other meetings so for that reason we're dressed as we would appeal to other meetings now that said everyone's working from home so and our office always was pretty casual so it's not like anyone was showing up in suits and we can see each other, so we are, uh, I guess if people don't know how our setup works, Keely and I jump into like a Google Hangout call, but then we each individually open up a recording program on our computers. So our computers are recording our audio while we were in this call. That way you hear this like really crisp audio from us instead of the internet captured version, which can be dependent on our internet connection sometimes. Uh, but because of that, we're both in this call and I can see Keely if I wanted to. I can't today because I have this list of questions open in front of me but we would normally potentially just stare at each other. So I guess like we can't look like complete goofs to yeah. each other. Yeah. I will say <laughs> I've definitely like relaxed a lot in what I'm wearing. So definitely comfy clothes down below and like a professional top and like a semi-professional bun or something. But um, I, yeah, I think it depends on the day. But for the most part, we're both dressed pretty casually, but not like complete yeah. slobs either. I'm fully dressed every day, weekend or otherwise, so this is normal for me. We have looked, we have done some pretty like dumb-looking things over the course of the podcast. Uh, Keely had an issue with her headphones that required she put string around them to make them tighter to your ears, which caused you to have like string around your nose and push your nose in or around your forehead, and that looked kind of funny for a while. Uh, <laughs> you've recorded in your closet, I think, or a number of people have, and I've recorded while under a blanket. Even though I'm sitting in my chair, I just throw a blanket over myself. That got way too hot. So we, we've done some dumb stuff, certainly. I'm good at that. Uh, the next question is uh, milk before cereal or cereal before milk? Cereal before milk. Uh, so this is going to bother a lot of people. I don't eat cereal with milk. I eat it dry like a monster. Oh, hang on. Wait. Yeah, that's fair, actually, because that's how I eat it, too, because I, I can't consume the lactose i, I just, can't consume the lactose either i substituted in like goat's milk from when i was a kid as the answer yeah. to this so when i, I used use to lactose have free milk sometimes very yeah. rarely when i but had yeah. milk cereal before milk but otherwise currently yeah i just pour cereal and my wife stares at me and it's like it's you're, deeply you're entrenched an animal. too because i feel like if you're lactose intolerant and you grew up somebody put, putting milk in that like it's an immediate stomach ache so i just associate milk with being evil <laughs> and i would fair, put it in fair. anything in that that really holds over with cereal. Does does your significant other also view you as an animal? For, yes, yes. Yeah, okay, yes. so this is just a thing. But I, I support you, Keely, as someone who also does this. So there Thank you go. Thank you. Uh, so we had a bunch of, like, who's more likely questions that someone submitted. Who's most likely to stutter? I mean, like, that's a layup. It's, it's Keely. You, you admitted yes. as such. Yes, I stutter. I have a stutter, especially if I'm nervous. Usually it's, like, my stutter, I don't know, it's weird. 
I, I just freeze up. I, I suddenly stop being able to talk if I get st if I stumble on a sentence and then my mind just goes blank and it's like the sentence was never there. Um, and it's very frustrating. Yes. And not just in the podcast, that happens to you in like regular meetings too. So oh, I guess yeah. you, in both these conditions, you are more likely to stutter than I am. Uh, especially on a podcast, I try really, really hard to regulate my speaking and to try to avoid saying any of these additional words like um or like or any of that kind of thing or else... Like I could change it to, to what I would sound like if I didn't care about that. So it would be um very like, I, I don't know, I would be very uh, trying to figure out what the next um kind of word that I wanted to say would be. And I um, don't know. I, like, see, so it sounds it sounds very different. Whereas when I do this podcast, I try really hard to speak slower than I normally do and wait and pause whenever I just have an um. And I would recommend that as general advice for anyone giving presentations or anything is just whenever you want to say um, just don't say anything. Just sit for a second. And it really helps your brain keep up yeah. with what you're doing. So. That's why it's especially hard for me because I find if I do say um or and or any of those kind of pause sentences, it helps me get over my gap and my pause. So if I'm saying something, I won't freeze up and forget what I'm saying. You can never pause. So it's particularly hard for some to overcome. But right. yes, good tip. Good tip. Um, the next uh, question is, who's most likely to eat while recording? Whether it be right in the middle, mic off to the side, anything like that. Uh, I don't think either of us have ever eaten during any recording we've done. I have had water on me, and today I do have an apple that's half eaten, but I haven't touched it the entire time because I don't want to risk that crunch sound. So yeah, I've this never is eaten. in an ASMR podcast, so yeah, just <laughs> drinking water. Uh, who's most likely to adopt a crazy pet like a snake? I'm going to go with Keely for this oh, one. Oh, 100%. 100%. So, also, I, I totally love snakes. I, there you go. <laughs> I like the, I was showing my partner a picture of a hog-nosed snake the other day. I'm like, they're so cute. And he's like, ugh, snakes. I'm like, you're a monster. All animals are adorable. <laughs> snakes aren't awful. Snakes are, snakes get a bad rap. They're, 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 they're noodle boys, you know? They're just cute little noodles that like, are I don't want them, like the cuddles. But they're fine. Okay. Well. We could disagree on that one. I don't think I'll they like I'll never get cuddles. a snake, but I, I'll admire people who have them. Okay. I don't think they have a concept of cuddling. I think they just exist. No, they do. They do, because snakes like warmth, so they'll, like, cuddle your arm. I've, like, held many a snake. They absolutely are super cuddly. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll leave that up. Maybe that'll be, like, a post-podcast poll. Do snakes cuddle? Or do they just seek out body heat wherever it is? Uh, when does an idea become close to being copyrighted? So normally we wouldn't have answered this kind of question because there's there's not... Like, it has nothing to do with the Wadis, but I guess there's some, there's usually some disputes around this, so I just want to clear the air for this, I guess. Uh, because this person put, like, since there are so many bad boy books that are essentially the same. Right. So, just to clear it, first of all, I'm not a copyright lawyer, so this isn't legal advice. That's how I would start this. And you can do your own research into copyright law and take a look into this stuff. But generally speaking, ideas are not protected by copyright. What you write is. Someone has to copy like your specific words and the way you arrange and present ideas for it to be copyright. Otherwise, yeah, we would have run out of original story ideas a long time ago. But and anyone can write about bad boys all they want. Um, lots of movies, TV shows, plots, like how many more procedural cop dramas can there possibly be? How many more crimes can possibly be committed in unique ways at this point? It's kind of why we're able to guess the endings of a lot of them so well. Yeah. So, uh, Ironically, there's actually been a lot of various controversies in like romance publishing around people trying to copyright this ideas. This was going to be my example, too. Words. 
Um, people have tried to copyright words um, like as part of their brand and like it's a whole thing. But if you ever want to do some deep digging and like it's a really good example of what happens when somebody tries to copyright an idea. Um, so look into like the whole, if you look up Omegaverse romance publishing controversy, a bunch of stuff yep, will pop that one's up. Good. It's it's real good, really entertaining. Do you recommend? But like honestly, you'll learn a lot about copyright law and also DMCA takedown notices. So definitely yep. take it, check it out. And I think uh, very educational. Yeah, it's a complicated world. Uh, the React World scandal of YouTube from a few years ago would also be an example where a group tried to say like we own reaction type videos. And I believe the ruling in that one. This is not a quote. I'm trying to do this top of mem memory. Like the ruling in that one was something to the effect of no one could conceivably own the concept of reacting. Like, that's just a human thing. <laughs> so people have tried, certainly, to copyright ideas. And there are cases where, like, uh, the superhero genre is another really great case where all most of the major publishers have some version of, like, a Superman-type hero who can just do a lot of things. But they're not exactly copying because... But if you were to put, like, a character together who basically was Superman and looked like Superman and was called like Uberman or something, you would probably get called that. Like this is where it starts to get into the gray area. Yeah. And then you get into satire and like, if is it? Oh, like, that's a whole other thing. And that's yeah. a whole other thing. Yes. That's allowed. So there's a lot of exceptions for copyright and how you use it in that sense. Um, it's also not uh, just to be, just in case anyone's curious on this, like the academic uses are very different from the non-academic uses. Like there's whole, things carved out for academic use such as giving credit for the quotes that you use for an academic purpose so if you copy something because i've seen this happen if you copy something on wapad and you put credit to so and so that's not how that works <laughs> that doesn't mean anything that's not an academic use and you're also in most cases not just copying like a little sentence or a little passage so it has to be an academic use there's got to, there's a lot of conditions that have to be met basically giving credit does not remove you from copyright but also to answer this question, pretty much like anyone can write a bad boy story and it's fine. We can all write bad boy stories until the end of time, basically. It's a wonderful thing. Uh, or else we would have run out of ideas a long time ago and it would suck. So there's that. And that is all of the questions. And I can't believe we were able to do this in basically an hour. I thought we would, I thought this would take a long time. So well done us. High five, Keely. There we go. High five, Sand. Wow. Thank you. That was, that was excellent. I'm going <laughs> to... That's good. I'm going to clip to the start of this one right there. That's a great one. Good a good one to close on, right? Just a great yes. high five sound. So. Well, thank you again, everyone, this year for participating. Your amazing hard work did not go unnoticed. And please be sure to give yourselves a pat on the back just for completing a 50K story. That's super amazing. I could never. Um, so you have my eternal respect. And please don't give up. Please stay motivated. You know, just because you didn't win does not mean your story is not good and not worthy, you know, and like never take a rejection as a, a forever no. And people in traditional publishing receive rejections all the time. And that does not mean your story isn't worthwhile. So definitely keep on it. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for your support throughout this year. It's been really lovely seeing all the messages of people saying that they enjoy the podcast and, and they've enjoyed listening to us and just listening to our, our rambles and exchanges. It's been really inspiring from our side in much the same way you know getting that simple comment on your story really keeps you going getting these kind of comments from everyone really helps keep us motivated to keep on doing this and i guess in that sense hopefully we will see everyone in the new year bye everybody bye